In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There was a brief television program that was based on an old program from years back, and it was called Secret Millionaire. And the whole premise of the show was that they would show up at somebody's house, and they would tell them that they were going to get a million dollars. And the reaction to that is what the entire show was about. And some people would jump up and down, some people would cry, some people would laugh, some people would get really angry because they figured it was a cruel hoax and they thought it was, uh, you know, an April's Fool joke gone bad and they just didn't like to get their hopes up like that and have them dashed. That's kind of the post-Easter reaction of the disciples. And that is, you would think that they would have been uh, excited and awe-inspired and feeling really good about hearing that Jesus had risen from the dead, you wouldn't think there'd be that much doubt because Jesus had talked about this over and over again. The Son of Man must suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests and be killed and be raised again on the third day. He kept telling them that and they kept poo-pooing that, saying, oh, well, you know, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't talk like that. So, but you would think that they would know this and there wouldn't be that much doubt. But there was doubt. There was a lot of doubt. And the disciples were huddled in the upper room behind locked doors because they figured what happened to Jesus might very well happen to them. And then the women came, had told them, He is risen. He is not there. He is risen. Jesus is risen from the dead. And they didn't believe that. Oh, histrionic women, hysterical Mary. You can't trust women. And, and actually, in that culture, women couldn't even testify in court. They were considered unreliable witnesses. So they blew that off. And there they were, still huddled behind closed doors. And suddenly, Jesus just appeared in their midst and was with them. Well, were they excited? Were they joyful? Were they slapping one another on the back and going, See, I told you you'd come back. Right, what is this? The third day, second day? Third day? Third day? Okay, you win the pool. Uh, no, they were not doing that. They were terrified. They thought that they were seeing a ghost. And then Jesus told them, go ahead and put your finger in the nail holes. Put your hand in my side. And they did. And then they began to do some rejoicing. However, one of the disciples, Didymus, Thomas, known as the twin, Thomas was not with them. He was gone somewhere. And I don't know where he was gone or why he was gone. Uh, I have a hunch as to what it was. Thomas uh, probably was the bravest of the disciples, and he was maybe the only one that would stick his nose out the door. We know Thomas was the bravest because just a few weeks ago we had the lesson where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus said, well, we've got to go back to Bethany. You know, Lazarus is, is sick. And the disciples said, well, I don't think that's a good idea because, you know, they were, they were trying to kill us over there. And Jesus said, yeah, we've got to go back. Remember, it was Thomas who said, let us go with him, that we may also die with him. Thomas was resigned to his fate, and he knew that what happened to Jesus was likely to happen to him, and he was okay with that. He was going to go through with that. Thomas was a realist, and he understood this was going to, he was probably one of the only disciples who understood this was going to happen. Thomas was not with them. My hunch is, that it was probably like a time like now with the coronavirus where everybody was hunkered down. 
the disciples were hunkered down and Thomas finally said, gee, you know, somebody needs to go out for groceries. We might be here a while. Uh, I, I don't really know why, but he was gone. And when he came back, the disciples said, hey, we've seen the Lord. The Lord was here. And Thomas said, I don't think so, unless I put my fingers in the nail holes and put my hand in his side. I will not believe. And then a second time Jesus came and Thomas was there and he showed them. But this time uh, Thomas really didn't have to put his finger in the nail holes. He simply looked at Jesus and said, My Lord and my God. But for all of this, Thomas became the poster boy of doubt. He became the person that nobody uh, you know, describes without adding an adjective before his name. He's not just Thomas, he's always doubting Thomas. And when I was a kid in uh, confirmation class in Sunday school, uh, I got the message, don't be like Thomas, don't doubt. But I did doubt, and I still doubt. Not only that, I think I'm in pretty good company with other Christians who tend to doubt from time to time. Do we not doubt sometimes in our darkest moments, is God up to anything? Have we not said to ourselves from time to time, boy, I hope all this stuff is real and I'm not just pinning my hopes on something that's a fantasy. <sighs> I hope these scriptures really tell the truth. It's not just some guy writing something. Haven't we said to ourselves, I what is God up to in the world? Why is there so much evil? Why did my parents, good and faithful people, have to suffer and linger before they died? What about children dying before their parents? That shouldn't happen. What is God up to? We have doubts. We wonder. And we would like signs too. Thomas believe, thought that seeing was believing. And we do too. And if God would do a few more things to, to, that we could see, like, you know, maybe if he would line the stars up in the heavens that said, I'm real, sign God, you know, or drop a 500-pound duck down in the backyard with a sign on it that says, go ahead and believe the Lord. If you would do some stuff like that, it would help us because we too kind of think that seeing is believing. But actually, that's not true either. Seeing is not necessarily believing because that's visual proof, visual evidence. And visual evidence is not even really good evidence, not even scientifically and I can think of examples from history. A couple of guys 500 years ago, Copernicus, a scientist who said, who dared to say that he thought that, the, that, that, that the, the earth went around the sun, that the sun was the center of the universe, not the earth. And he was almost kicked out of the Christian church for trying to say that, because it was considered heresy. And people were saying, well, look, we've got good visual evidence. We can see that the sun comes up over there in the east, and then it goes up here, and then it goes down over there in the west. So we, we, we know that the sun goes, we've got visual evidence. The sun goes around the earth. We got it. Christopher Columbus, about approximately the same time period, people thought he was going to fall off the edge of the world because everybody knew that the world is flat. The earth has only been round for about 500 years. That's not very long in the course of human history. And now today, here's another example. Scientists, quantum physicists tell us today that they believe that the earth is connected by an invisible web of energy. Do you believe that? Well, if you have a cell phone, you better. 
Do you believe in air? We don't have a lot of visual evidence for that either. So all of these things that, that are in the background, and we believe all that stuff. We believe in air. We believe in the web of energy. We believe the earth is round. We believe all that stuff. And yet when somebody says there is a supreme being behind all of this that created it and maintains it and loves it, oh, that's when we balk. Well, I don't know about that. So what does that mean? Then, then what that says is that we're saying, I came from nothing, my life means nothing, and I'm headed nowhere. Does that make sense? I mean, let's just put faith aside. Let's just use straight logic. Does it make more sense to say, I came from nothing, my life means nothing, I'm headed nowhere, or to say, I came from somewhere, my life means something, and I am headed somewhere? And now add faith to that, and it makes a lot of sense. For Thomas, seeing was believing, but what he discovered is that it's the other way around. Believing is seeing. That when we believe the words that the Lord told us, we see life in a whole different way. When we believe the words of the Lord, we see the promise of the future that God holds. When we believe that we are God's own people, we act different. Our outlook is different. Easter is thus not a day. Easter is a way of looking at things. Easter is, in fact, a whole new kind of dimension of life. Thomas was a realist, as we said before, and that didn't change. But what did change was reality itself. We used to think that there are two immutable things, death and taxes. Now it's just taxes, because death is different. Easter changes everything. The outlook of Jesus being risen from the dead changes everything. It changes school, it changes work, it changes relationships, it changes everything. Because we know that there is something beyond what we just see. We know that God is there doing things at work in the world and waiting for us to take us home to Him. Easter changes everything. Thomas had doubts. But the comfort to you today, and for me today, is to know that if we have doubts, we're in the ballpark of faith. You cannot have faith, in fact, without doubts. I'll say it that strongly. You can't have faith unless you have doubts. Because if you didn't have any doubts, you would absolutely know. And then it wouldn't be faith, it would be knowledge. Faith, by definition, is that which we cannot know, but must simply believe and must simply trust. So if you have doubts, that's okay. You're in the ballpark of faith. You've got to have doubts to have faith. Thomas shows us that there's a different way of seeing things after you see the risen Christ. He made a great confession of faith and said, My Lord and my God. Easter gives us that outlook. Easter changes everything. That's why we talk about the Sundays of Easter instead of the Sundays after Easter. Easter isn't a day. It's a new reality. Easter, the risen Christ, makes all the difference. Amen.